This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hi, I'm Anif Baharuddin and you're listening to Night School, the show that explores ideas and themes in the social sciences and the humanities. I'm joined by Simon Soon and our guest today, Joe Kidd. Welcome, everyone. So I guess one of the many parallel worlds to that of my suburban childhood that I later came to know with some level of familiarity is the Malaysian sort of punk scene. And in in my young adulthood, I often gained this this story principally through one person, Joe Kidd, right? And how we met was really in the past two-year partner, uh, Ilan, right? Uh, When I was a... A curator or an aspiring curator then and actually having to sort of like hang around in your homes whenever Elan sort of like leave me to mind her own business. Yeah. That's when you started sort of you like coming over. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. When you started coming over and started telling me some of these amazing stories. <laughs> and I thought like this is a great occasion for us to sort of like yeah. share some of these stories with the public. Cool. Mm. Right. Okay. Um, you know, maybe to sort of like uh for for those of you us who sort of like don't know you, uh, you know, you've been called Abang Jo, you're like also <laughs> called like the grandfather of the sort of like Malaysian punk scene. Yeah, what is punk? Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> well, how, how do we sort of, what, I mean, for f- listeners who are not familiar with the scene at all, who are not familiar with the genre of music, maybe we can start with just yeah. giving a bit of an overview. Okay, it is kind of funny because, you know, there's one time me and Familiariza and everyone we having a talk uh, and it's about the role of punk or what role punk can contribute to society and stuff like that. But the first 45 minutes was all this answering the, the, the question of what is punk. Right. <laughs> okay. right, right. What I'm saying is, 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 is a, I like the fact that it is that way because okay. that means that the, the whole thing, the whole punk thing is, is not being boxed basically. Mm-hmm. So you don't have a, a set explanation or description right. of what it's all about. So everybody, every single one you talk to what is punk and they will have their own Okay, so you can't really whittle it down to a single definition. Okay. No, you wouldn't. And it's, it's like, I like the fact that it's really fluid and, and, and it changes its shapes and forms once in a while. For me, though, it is a pretty much a subculture that happened in the Western world uh, in, in the late 70s, who somehow I discovered when I was really young. I was about 14, you know, 15. And what, uh, when was that in... Which decade was that? Was that also in the uh, early, early I got 70s? into punk okay. in the late seventies. My brother brought this. Uh, yeah, anyway, yeah, it's through my brother. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, it, it is basically a subculture that that involve rock and roll, uh, involve fashion, involve um, a lot of political thoughts too. Um, mm-hmm. uh, commented on what's happening around them, and um, for me, it was really a vital rebirth of rock and roll, basically because it brought back rock and roll. Oh. Because prior to that, a lot of the bands were just um, like bands like Pink Floyd or band like King Crimson, whatever, or these progressive rock bands. They Bowie even at the same time. It was doing a lot of this. Kind of took rock and roll away from, from the, the kids on the street. It became like really, really uh, something almost exclusive in the sense that, mm-hmm. you know, you can't play that way. You have to play. You have to know how to play guitar. You have to know mm-hmm. how to. So, you know, I mean, punk rock came in. You say, okay, if you know three chords, you just do your song. Okay. You know? so, <laughs> right, right. But the thing is, it's not just music, though. I mean, uh, it's more than that. It's beyond than that. And, okay. uh, and, and that's how it shaped me throughout this these mm. years and decades, you know. Right. Do all punk sort of like audiences actually play the music as well? Does it encourage you to be more participatory yeah yeah of course because it, it cannot like break or? that it broke that celebrity culture okay you know I mean it's, it, it's, 
I mean, I remember when I was, uh, you know, 15 or something like that, reading about how people met. I mean, I've never been to England or whatever, mm-hmm. but people met all these big bands in the punk scene, like The Clash or Johnny Rotten or from Sex Pistols in some pub somewhere, you know I mean? And there is, you know, there is no war between the performer and, and the audience. And mm-hmm. and that's what they did. And it kind of broke broke that wall that has becoming bigger and bigger through all throughout. Uh, the the mid seventies by all these big bands, which is playing stadiums, you know. Mm, <laughs> wow. So the, the in the early seventies, you got you got bands from from the uh, R and B kind of uh, era, rhythm rhythm and blues, mm-hmm. pop rock bands, okay. and like you know, um, uh, Eddie and Hot Rods and things like that, who just who just brought back raw rock and roll. Uh, and, and playing in pubs, and, mm. and that's how it starts in the sense that bringing back the whole feeling. And then the Ramones come out for okay. the album and brought everything down to three chords right. and simplified everything. Right, and right. <laughs> so sim- by simplifying rock and roll, is that also then re-energizing certain kind of like um, rebellious spirit? Or is trying to refine, or or bring to the fore, it, I think or it's, renew it's, a certain kind it's of the rebelliousness. Result, it's the result of rebellious. Period. Okay, you know, because okay. you look at even in the art world, you got all these like people who kind of like lost touch with the street. Basically, they've okay. gone so far up into their nether regions. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> they lost it somehow. So and then, and then these kids yeah, start thinking, oh, they're not singing about me anymore not singing about what I'm you know the things that you know really important to me and in the same same thing as we do art world was doing you mm. know and you got the celebrity thing you got you know um, Dallas whatever on TV and stuff like that <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of very far fetched very far away from what you're feeling and, mm. and they, they took it back okay and yeah I mean if you want to talk about punk in the sense of that that rock and roll thing it goes back a long long time right. even the first bands who heard like Beatles or things like that, and started to have their own band in the garage, basically, and doing it their own way. You know, they just you know just uh, how to say distill what they they, they hear they, they hear and then turn it into their own thing mm-hmm. without really knowing how to play. And right. and that started like in the you know even the late fifties even. So if you want to go back to the culture, it goes back to a long long and time. And what does this mean for a young adolescent uh, growing up in Changanu? Personally, uh, in the early, uh, in the late seventies, say. Personally, it's a, it's almost like a epiphany or revelation or <laughs> something <laughs> like really profound, basically. Or you are also hitting puberty, lah. <laughs> <laughs> I was fourteen, fifty, yeah, probably, okay. yeah. But I was listening to music. Okay. I mean, my dad had his uh, Bonnie M, and uh, what's the guy's name who produced Donna Summer? Excellent uh, electronica uh, kind of guy, but anyway, and then and my uncle was, I mean, he, he brought to the house like a lot of the kind of like rock and roll of the uh, late sixties, early seventies kind of generation. You got Hendrix and you got uh, Janis Joplin, and my brother was um, listening to a lot of the more recent at that time. It's, it's that Deep Purple and. Let's zap or whatever. <laughs> uh, so when when I, when I found punk, it kind of like give me like wow, this is this is like nothing nothing uh, like anything that I heard before, <laughs> and it's so fresh, so brush, and it's like really uh, liberating. Mm. You know, and then I just felt that that this is like my own thing, you know, this is my thing, you know. Right. Instead of I'm um, uh, listening to what my brother's collection was or 
you know, my, my uncle's collection. I mean, I'm listening to my, this is my thing, you know. So, but I was alone. It was quite hard. I mean, but, you know, slowly I, I started to get mm. friends into it and stuff. Okay. How how were you exposed to it? Um, Because these days, information is more accessible, right? But for for you, I, I guess at that time, it's definitely much more difficult for you to get all the materials yeah, but, in, right? But of course, yeah. But I, I, I'm, I'm really lucky. But another thing is, is when you're passionate about things, yeah, I mean, I'm... I'm Totally a, a nerd when it comes to that, you know. I was a nerd prior to that. I was really into comics. I was I was reading a lot about, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really into English basically, and I, I carry around uh, dictionary in my pocket. And oh, really? okay. and anything I can pick up on in English, and I would just read it, you know. And then and, then, and the films, you know. I, I had a bunch of friends who, who we we would collect posters of our pictures of films mm. from newspapers. And we have our own scrapbooks and stuff like that. So I'm pretty much, very much a, a voucher for your, your pop, pop culture. <clears throat> yeah, there's no Pinterest. <laughs> <laughs> but what happened was, um, actually, it's not so much the music or anything. It was, it was the fashion. It was the uh, the look first that got me, actually. Okay. My brother, Amber, I was, I mean, we were very close. I mean, he died probably about eight years ago. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. But he, he, he came back from, because from, he's studying in, in the star uh, okay. He's one of the bright, bright students from Trinidad. So he got sent there. I mean, we came from a very poor family anyway. Mm-hmm. But he, he was, you know, he got very lucky and also very smart. Then, Anyway, he fell in with a bunch of kids there in the school who were progressively listening to new new music. Mm-hmm. And, and and those days you have uh, a lot of music newspapers or music papers from the, the UK selling here. I mean, it's a bit late, probably about a month or maybe three weeks late from what, Let's say he came out on the street in London. Right. Uh, three weeks later, they were rough here. Okay. A month later. But right. nevertheless, it came. But yeah, yeah, right, it came. Right. And, and, and they, were, they were listening to all this great stuff. And then New Music Express, especially the, one of the um, music papers, was really, really good. Okay. was really amazingly written. Was that how you found your community? Was it principally through these newspapers? Or no, I mean, this, Malaysia, this for me is my, 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 my introduction to okay. it. You know, my my right. brother... Came back one night. Um, we were very close. I, I waited for him. At 3 a.m., he arrived with a bus. Wow. <laughs> so when I picked up his bag with my sister, followed him to the, to the house. And then his, his diary, a kind of book, uh, fell, fell off, you know, into uh-huh. the floor. And I picked it up and he opened up to a picture of Johnny Rotten. Okay. And I said, Who's this guy? <laughs> because it's like, you know, like, he's, like, you know he, he got this sneer on his face. He, he got this kind of like, Spiky hair, and like really, really nasty looking, but at the same time cheeky. Okay. And then he got his safety pins on his jackets, and 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 written handwritten stuff on his jacket, wow. and, and it's just totally out of his world, like alien, you know. Right. But it's so like really powerful, and that's the point. I mean, that point cannot really change my life totally after mm. that. And <laughs> so, having sort of like discovered this whole new world, how did you then go about? Finding your kindred spirits, um, it was very hard because my brother he 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 kind of like, I mean he listened to it but it's right. not I mean, he listened to everything because later on he would start to listen to like really crappy jazz um you know soft rock kind of thing but he listened to everything he's a great guy but I really stick to it and um, it was very hard because I was alone this is the town of Dungun you know mm-hmm. um, I've been there yeah <laughs> um but. What's good about that those days was that there was a uh, there was a um, a bookstore run by a Chinese uh, woman uh, near the, the main town, which is Kuala Lumpur. Um, I would cycle there all the time to get my comics. You know, I was reading a lot of Daredevil and, and 
Ghost Rider and things like that at that time. And they have a magazine somehow at that time. I went to get my comic and I saw this magazine it's called Punk Rock Stars. And it's one of those, later on I would find out, it's actually one of those exploitative music magazines. There's a trend going of new wave music and okay. punk rock. So some publishers decided to cash in on it and said they put pictures of Ramones. Or, and this is a Malaysian publication? No, no, no. It's, okay. it's, American. Okay. it's American. Because those days you can get Cream magazine from America. Right. You get a lot of music magazine from, from England. Mm-hmm. Because we are, after all, we are still leftovers. They're yeah. still leftovers from, from the colonial days, you see. So the cultural stuff, you can still get it. But the TV was more American at that time already, you know. Whereas a lot of the reading material uh, is coming from England. Mm-hmm. Right. So anyway, that's, that's how I kind of get into it, get to know the bands and everything. And at one point, there was this, there is this magazine called Fan, Fanfare, I think, from, from Singapore. I think okay. it was published in Singapore. Okay. And it's an English language, uh, kind of like, Entertainment magazine. Okay. But and that made its way to Dungun as well? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think found it. back in the day, those ma- all these magazines would just go to all the, okay. all the uh, news, uh, news stores all around Malaysia. And uh, I, I, I bought it and uh, because I like there is this, at the back part, near the back page, there's a, I think one or two pages, which is called Swap Shop. Where, okay. So you send in like, you know, you send in your letter saying that, okay, I got basically all those uh, posters. Anyone want to swap it with, like maybe Generation X or something like that. Okay. You know what I mean? So you, you make friends through that. Uh-huh. What I wrote was, I'm, so I'm into punk rock, and if anyone out there who who are into the same thing, you know, let's get in touch. And from there, I got about four or five okay. replies. Um, there's a Chinese guy, I think his name was David from Subang Jaya. <laughs> 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 One guy in Sentul. Another guy in Penang become a good friend of mine. He played in band later on. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he now lives in Taiping. So these are the, the first kind of people that I get in touch with. But I believe David sent me uh, two C90 tapes. You know C90? C90 cassette means that 90 minutes. Okay. And so 45 minutes on site. So he sent two. And it's all filled up with the early singles of all the punk bands wow. from England and New so York. So that's his mixtape, lah. It's a mixtape, right? Yeah, okay. He made it himself. Yeah, right. yeah he, he got made. all those records. So he would compile everything and yeah, put it yeah, in the yeah. tape. Because at those days, all the record stores would have all these titles. And I mean, not so much the obscure one, but they mm. do have the bigger ones. And even I mean, New Wave was pretty big, in a sense, around the world, you know. And then the fact that the Sack Pistols was so, you know, seen as nasty and and deviant, or whatever, and all this. Uh, moral panics uh, happening around the world because of punk. Um, so globally, we got to know about them. The Time magazine was writing about punk and, and Newsweek or whatever. Right. I remember me going into the library with my razor to cut out those anything right. to do with punk and put it in my uh, scrapbook. And, so, and when did you first come down to KL? And how did you, were, was it after your universe, uh, high school? Yeah, or after school, after Form 5. After Form 5, okay. Um, and you packed well, your bags and decided that, okay, it's time to explore. No, the, the, the first place was well, we went to Singapore. Okay. There, there was a trip, a school trip. Ah. Uh, <laughs> made out of the uh, prefects in the school. And, uh, and, uh, and you were one of the prefects? I'm not. I'm okay. Not. I'm somehow managed to get into <laughs> the bus. <laughs> and it was crazy because we know all these cassettes, uh, New Wave and Punk cassette, you can find a lot in Singapore. And um, the first 
town that we hit was Mersing actually in, in Johor because the bus stop for us to eat lunch and I didn't go to lunch. I went straight to the record store there because I know there'd be like uh, music from the other side of the causeway. And I found the special's first album. Oh, uh, <laughs> which is was like, that was 1979. And I went into Singapore inside there. And in Woodlands, there's a lot of cassette uh, shops and I got The Clash and it's like really crazy stuff for us. Mm-hmm. And there was compassion with the Dead Kennedys and all the Mohawk Punk kind of stuff. And yeah, so yeah, it's crazy. And then also I, I bought, because one of the main things you need to do is Because you got friends into it. I mean, I, at that time, I already got friends into it. My schoolmates uh, are getting into punk rock. I mean, a lot of them were listening to British heavy metal, mm-hmm. like, you know, Saxon, whatever, and they threw it away and they started to listen to punk. And and mm-hmm. what are the main thing you need to have, like a main weapon, because it's very, very important, is to have a double-deck cassette player. Because uh. when you have a double-deck cassette player, you can you can, you can can carry it around. It's portable. You can go to anybody's houses. If, let's say you have this cassette that somebody sent to you, whatever, you got it, and it just went to your house with a blank cassette. I would dub over it. And then, okay. And then, then I would dub it for friends. And right. you know, people would come, friends would come to my house and s- stay for a night or two. Right. And we just sat down there and just dubbing stuff just to give oh, up. Okay. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So when, and because like the sound co- sound is so raw, Uh, when you dub it, it doesn't actually sort of diminish the quality of. No, the I mean, I mean, unless you know, I mean, when right, you say, or it you know, might even uh, enrich it. You would say. No. <laughs> What I'm saying is, like, of course, after maybe your copy has been copied and copied again, again, right. of course, then it goes really uh, dim. You know, I mean, right. you don't can't hear really well. But a lot of recordings back in the day was really good. You know, if you got like that kind of early albums and stuff, it's really, really good. Mm-hmm. And of course. Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, it goes on because this is this take a long time. You see, I mean, yeah. uh, 78, I got into it, and then I started to listen to John Peel on BBC World Service, which is like a it's being broadcasted from Singapore, and okay. then, so so on shortwave. So it is you can't really uh, hear it proper in the sense that it, you know you go out of phase, like and come mm-hmm. back again. But then uh, I would record it, and and then I would uh, you know listen with my friend of the recording and then we would sit down and, and try to review what we heard. So we got, we got introduced to a lot of bands and then I subscribed to Nimsky Express and from KL. Mm-hmm. In KL, there's a shop underneath the stairs at Potama Complex. Uh, I think it's called SM Salims. And I went there once and I said, can I send money from Trigano and then would you send all this magazine to me? And he said, yeah. Okay. So I, I'm, I'm like really totally into it. I would read, read and reread and, you know, Mm-hmm. Crazy, it was crazy. Cool. Yeah. Right. And then community started to form through it, and and it goes on, you know. And mm-hmm. I started doing my fans in the late eighties, Okay. So okay. yeah, and then it goes on, you know. Okay, you know. cool. Okay, we have to take a break, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, stay tuned. You're listening to Night School with me, Hanif Barudin and Simon Soon. And this week we're joined by Joe Kid, and he has kindly chronicled his journey into the punk scene. Uh, stay tuned. BFM 89.9 BFM 89.9, you're tuned in to Night School with me, Hanif Baharudin. I'm joined by Simon Soon and our guest of the week, Joe Kidd. And we're discussing Joe's uh, foray into the world of punk, right? And I think the first part was more of chronicling your journey into the punk scene. And in the second part, we can sort of like focus on your observation of the punk scene, especially your societal observation. I think it'd be cool to get your perspective on that, right? Um, so... How does punk influence your your outlook on the community and, and on the society? And and what do you observe within the punk scene itself? Is there like a class dimension to it? Is there like, you know, societal background influencing the kind of people that are into the scene and things like that? 
Um, personally, uh, how it imp- impacted me was in a way that suddenly I, I kind of see that, that I have a voice that, I, that and I can I can you know say things and mm-hmm. I can I can put out my, what I think. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you do not necessarily need to become somebody or whatever to have that uh, leeway to do things. You know, you can do it. You know, whatever mm-hmm. you can play guitar, just from a band or things like that. And in terms of me as a growing up, you know, I'm you know being a Malay kid in Trangano, basically, pretty much a very conservative society, mm-hmm. and there are things that I don't really agree with, a lot of stuff I don't agree with, and I kind of rebel through that. I mean, kind of like uh, punk rock kind of inspired me to empower myself, mm-hmm. and and that that been I think for me one of the truest um, thing about punk is about that, that empower, mm-hmm. self empowerment. Um, I do believe a lot of my generation back in the day, we were pretty confused what's happening. We were really scared in the sense that quite timid, actually. We mm-hmm. don't know what we're going to do. We got pressures from the, from the society, from parents, from religious authorities, mm-hmm. and things like that people look, you know. There's so much, you know, to, 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 to handle when you are in your teens up to mm-hmm. your early 20s and stuff like that. So punk just say that, you know, you know, just be yourself and, mm-hmm. and, and, and then, you know, and then when I found out that a lot of the punk singers and figures that, that I love or I was into, they were not just, uh, I mean, they were learned guys, you know, people who, who really read, who, who know what's happening, who are confronting what's wrong and things like that. And, and that's really inspiring mm-hmm. because prior to that, you just been told, you just been told what to do, you know. Right. Uh, what's the demographics of the scene like? What, in, what yeah, era? Because when you talk uh, about era, the, there's era. So <laughs> there's what's, so many that, what's, what's, what's the golden age of say Malaysian punk? Was the, it the, the 90s? golden age? Yeah. Would I was no, no, really. I mean, uh, it, 80s. If, if 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 the scene, it's, it's a community. So okay. of course we use the the term the scene. Right, right. So <laughs> I think the scene really started to become really something that I really really like because it has you know the political side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, they have good politics and not just rock and roll whatever because you got good politics you got people who are very active doing other things besides making music writing and stuff like that I would say that would be somewhere in the late 90s late 90s because the younger kids came in with a more DIY kind of version of you know taking back the um, the method of production from from the Mm. record companies and stuff like that because prior to that it was so expensive to record anyway so you have to get signed to a company to to record an album mm-hmm. in the early ni- 90s anyway. But by the mid-90s, mid you get the start of the digital recording coming into the studio, so it's become a lot more cheaper. So a lot of these bands started to do their own thing and put mm-hmm. out uh, and and uh, print out their own recordings and stuff like that. So, And there's a lot more, I mean, by the time we have like IRC and Yahoo mm. groups and stuff like that, so there's a lot more community co- inter in terms of community forming, in a more kind of um, how to set kind of ideas about things. Mm-hmm. We were talking about um, gay rights, you know. Okay. You know, I mean, <laughs> earlier on, way before, you know, it become a thing, you know. Right. I mean, because it was a big problem because we have, uh, coming from a society we pretty much conservative, so, you know, um, there's a lot of fights over it. You know? okay. And we got kids who saw, like, a movie like Romper Stomper and become racist skinheads or racist punk, you know. Mm-hmm. And so those are the things that we were 
struggling with back in in the late 90s and for me it was good because people are actually fighting back against all that okay you know? so and, and who made up this community are they normally kids from a rural sort of from, like background are they from, from everywhere a sort of like ethnic group uh, do they come from specific I, i don't know is that i would say can you paint a broad picture or that's not relevant It used to be like a whole cross section of yeah, society. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, yeah. we don't, you know, guess that's not another thing. Uh, yeah. I mean, but, but probably we have to unpack, unpack that some, this, some other yeah. day. But what I'm saying is like the, the racial barriers. That's not, no, it's not. There's no racial barriers okay. in the scene. But it's just depending on whether but, you are into it or not. Okay. You know? But you know, but, but I mean, the on, on the way on the way here, you were sort of like saying um, maybe for a specific sort of like ethnic group because of the kind of like music that they were exposed to in the past or the sort of like cultural aspect. Yeah. That they were sort of like inbuilt into the yeah. community, sort of like values. It would sort of like shape. Yeah, uh, whether they are. Yeah, I was more telling you about there's this. There's this joke, not, probably not a joke, probably, yeah. probably probably real. The fact that why I mean the question of why there's not there's so, not so many Chinese in the, in the, mm-hmm. in the punk scene or in the underground music yeah. scene. And a friend of mine said that basically because a lot of the parents of the coming from the Chinese community, they were not listening to. Yeah, they were listening to like really sappy stuff like the Carpenters and Abba <laughs> and things like that. Whereas the Malay parents might be listening to, to Deep Purple, Let's Zeppelin, or Pink Floyd. So there's these two different yeah, things. Right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. it's a joke. But at the same no, time, no. kind of like okay, yeah. Well, I yeah. think there so. is a sort of like, you know, <laughs> kind of truth in that. Actually, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah. That, that's pretty interesting. Um, because you, you can tell that the punk community is quite uh, communal in that sense, right? They're very it is, together. It is very very important. To have, I mean, it's, it's a community because it, this is the thing that people cannot. I mean, some people don't really understand. And I mean, most of the time, right, people like me, we were misfit in a sense. You know, we cannot mm. really fit into the normal society in a sense because we have other ideas about things. And that's not only me. There's a lot of other people, kids like that. So that's who, where we become a community because we found each other, mm-hmm. and then it become that. You know, but uh, throughout the years, I've seen. I mean, late, late. 90, there are people who are actually fitting in the society nicely who want okay. to be punks, you know, which is kind of like, right? Okay, maybe they take it another way, but you know, but mm. they, they, it was almost like a refuge for a lot of us. Like the scene in the, the underground music scene in Malaysia started in Kuala Lumpur in the late 80s. Okay, by all these kids who were running away from their respective places, like kids from Kedah, mm. Perlis, Penang, Kota Baru, you know, Johor. Came to KL because KL gave us space, you know, mm. and then we congregate at Central Market. We hang out there and then we form bands. So we do our fanzine, we do our gigs, and that's that's the start of it. But I would say um, only about one percent is from from KL itself. Right. You know, mm. the rest is all from from the outside. For who who, for me, is running away from all the pressures that, that the, the society is putting on on them. Whereas they want to look for themselves their own way. I mean, mm. I want to look for myself. By my own rules, you know. Right. I, mean, I don't want, you know. So mm-hmm. that's these are the things. So that's what I'm saying. Uh, a lot of these kids, uh, originally, most of them anyway, they, they can't. We cannot really fit into the society around mm-hmm. at that time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and it, together. Mm, and it's also about being comfortable in your own skin as well, right? Because I think I can imagine growing up in in the nineties, especially in in a period where the narrative of you know, oh, you have to work hard. You have to work hard. Working hard is the only way for you to be successful. And and here you are. I mean, a bunch of you guys then trying to uh, go against that narrative might be it can be quite daunting as well, right? I think we we were just following our our heart 
you know, just feeling our way, basically, and finding mm. ourselves, you know. I right. mean, because if you stay at your respective home areas, whatever, you are most of the time consigned to people making uh, making decisions for you. Right. And you have to be like this, you have to go to that school, you, have, you, know, mm. you can't do it, you mm. know. And of course, at one point, it just become too much. I mean, if you're a, a, a rebel in that in a sense right, that you feel right. like, and like, like I said, punk like empowers you to to become yourself. So you mm-hmm. say, okay, I don't want, I don't want any of this. You know, I right. want, I want to find out for myself. You know, right. you know, I don't want to be told to do this, to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so you 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 take the bus down. And mm-hmm. then I, actually, my band we wrote a song about it, called farewell, mm-hmm. which is about saying farewell to that part of the world where you left it and become okay. yourself. Mm-hmm. Do people <laughs> leave the scene? I mean, um, what happens when they leave the scene? Uh, <laughs> do they ever yeah, leave the do scene? Do they ever leave the scene? Or, <laughs> they, I mean, they, they, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of, I mean, if, if, if yeah. I, I come from the uh, the early scene, the started, right. the, where it started and everything. So I've seen so many generations who have gone off. Um, right. They got married, they got kids, and they have responsibilities. And throughout that responsibilities, they somehow they become a lot more conservative and and uh, become very religious and mm-hmm. all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so and some of them even start like going against what they were into before, things okay. like this, you know. But you know, I mean, it, it's it's everybody's choices basically. So yeah. you know, there's there's no compulsion in punk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, for someone who's been there since the beginning, right? And so much of the image of what being a punk is is tied to this very youthful sort of like imagery. Growing, <laughs> having grown up and having grown old in the scene, what well, what new perspectives have you sort of like gained? from this very rich sort of like experience of encountering different generations of sort of like punks. Yeah, uh, what I see is the country. I mean, the country is changing a lot, you know. Right. I mean, uh, there is this sense of uh, self-confidence that really, really, uh, you know, like beyond what we had. In, right, in this for the young. Place. Yeah, for right. the young people, okay. 70s, 80s, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, at those days, we were like really confused. We didn't know where, what we are going to do, you know. we mm-hmm. There is no kind of set thing even about economy about working hard or whatever you know mm-hmm. what I mean you know it's just like all over the place right uh, you just but so now you look at kids now they, they, they voice out their whatever is they're feeling you know without really yeah, totally I mean mm. there's a lot more confidence of course and mm-hmm. there's a lot I, I would say you know the, I saw the the building of the middle class mm. you know um, throughout the 80s um, me and song were you know and, right. and like, like those days everybody just go on a bus to go to a gig and everybody, nowadays everybody just drive you know mm. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the simplest uh, uh, thing you can see nowadays right. you know and then um, yeah so I've seen a lot of changes in, right. in, in that way but it's amazing the fact that it's still going on and, and mm. punk still give a lot of uh Impactors or empowerment to a lot of kids nowadays. You know? okay. uh, we just played a show like two days ago, and then all these kids there, and they they have their own bands and stuff like that. Amazing. Mm. Do you think that, especially in this day and age, where the value of individuality is much higher compared to before, right? And so, do you feel like indirectly there are a lot of people who, you know, subconsciously are living the punk way or punk way of thinking or the punk lifestyle without actually being punk themselves uh, I think because back then uh, and due to our, the nature of our community that has it's always been a bit more communal we tend to you know subscribe to the identity of a group right, rather than believing in individualism right so I think especially you know with 
these days that uh, we were a bit more globalized. We champion uh, individuality to a certain extent, right? Mm-hmm. So, so, so I guess, um, like you said, it's easier to find people who are a bit more confident mm-hmm. and who don't feel the need to be a part of a movement or part of a group to be themselves, right? So, do you think that indirectly uh, the punk ethos have been democratized in that sense? But it's always been democratizing. Okay, but the one thing funny about people don't understand about punk is just that you are allowed to be yourself in the scene. You know, you mm. it's like a, a bunch of individuals in a group. <laughs> If you can understand what it means, mm, because yeah. you know you are allowed to be who you are, but mm. at the same time you you are in this in this community who, who do things together. Right. Even though sometimes you have different values and things like that. Right. Yeah, so what happens when different values crop up? Like, how do you manage uh, conflict or how do you resolve yeah, differences? I mean, I mean is, is there a mechanism that... I would say uh, that, that you, you are allowed to disagree, of course. Okay. You know what I mean, so that these are a lot of the things that people outside the society don't mm. understand that, you know, I mean, there's all there's a lot of conflicts in that scene. Mm. Yeah, of course, you know, because you, have, you voice out what you feel is... You know, there's a call-out culture earlier on, even before all this thing started to happen. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. So, we were, I think the, 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 the community was very, very progressive in a sense, you know. But, of course, you know, there are uh, large numbers which have dropped out of it and, and, and totally become that same uh, exact person they hate. Right. <laughs> Why do you think that happened? Do uh, they see... The you know punk movement or you know the concept of punk as just a phase in their life or yeah they are, yeah I mean I would not su- be surprised at all I mean mm. uh, there's also people who are into it because just because of the fashion and mm. just because of the or the music even you know I mean which is like, nothing wrong with that it's just that I would think that there's, there's a lot more to to learn from it you know not just the look and the sound right. <laughs> and then to carry forth with it from the lessons that you learn from from all that to mm-hmm. to your normal life and. Some friends of mine, they, I mean, they they would like you know treat their kids different from my others. You know, okay. you know, with a lot more respect and then you know not you know too much controlling and everything you mm. know, allows the kids to make up their own mind. Mm. So there are you know my friends from the scene who began having families and stuff like that mm. who carried forth that, that all those lessons that I learned from the scene. Yeah, and yeah, you know, like uh, my friend who went on to see his son playing black metal right, somewhere. Right, right. <laughs> totally. Was really proud of it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's so nice to sort of like think of this image because it also speaks to the normalization of sort of like punk on so many levels, not yeah, in a yeah, bad yeah. way. Uh, yeah, I mean, but in a way that in the past you would sort of like see it as a very distinct kind of like cultural sphere, right? Or a movement, or a, or a, or a gathering yeah, of people. But now you're also sort of like you're also saying that the younger punks are working in the banks. They also hold like a day not, job. Not and, even the younger. I mean, the right? Older. And the older ones would eventually sort of like land themselves in. A, a, yeah, a, a that, that's, more permanent, that's actually come from job. another thing because the right. fact that you can't really make money from playing right. music. Or if you really want to make money by playing music, uh-huh. then you have to subscribe to the game that being played by the by the, the uh, industry. The industry, the, right. and then that means that you have to forego a lot of the things that, that you feel uh, strong about, mm-hmm. and you have to appear on your TV in a tanja or like a baju melayu or sampai raya. You right, know, right. <laughs> these are the things that pop stars have to do. Yeah. Mm. So you have to play that game, and some friends went through that. Yeah, okay. Because that's how they they put food on the table. You see. Fine, you know what I mean? But there are people who resisted that. I mean, mm. punk is all, it's still about resisting still, you know? Mm-hmm. It's still a resistance to what's happening. 
right. one that you don't agree with, basically. Right. Yeah. And why, 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 what do you find so disagreeable about those things that you don't agree with? Uh, I mean, <laughs> for me, there's a lack of um, how to say this. Is it there's a lack of question? I mean, lack of lack of criticality. Is it a lack of like thinking through like why do you accept yeah, certain yeah, sort yeah. of like value Pe- system? People are so blinded by things, okay. and they don't. They're so scared to go to hell. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> for me, come on. So the culture of fear is still into of fear. a certain kind of like for conformist. Yeah, very, very conformist. Like, and very punk conformist. is not about that. So, and then the, the, the yeah. funny thing, even the punk scene, there are conformists in the punk scene in the okay. sense that they become, have to look this way, mm-hmm. I have to wear that jacket, I have to wear this, and I have to play that music because mm-hmm. that's what everybody will expect of you. Mm-hmm. And that, in a way, kind of like def- defeat uh, a lot of the ideas about punk in some mm-hmm. ways because it has, for me, it has to be your own thing, you know, and it doesn't matter whether you, can, you fit, the, fit the mold or not, as long as it's sincere and, and, right. and it's coming from the God and, and it's yours, you know what I mean? Right. So, but the problem now, a lot of the time, people are just trying to fit into a mold right. and that's what I say, I've been writing a lot about it, I'm writing a book on it, so what I'm saying is a lot of it have become calcified almost, you know, the, the culture, mm-hmm. which is supposed to be br- vibrant and very progressive, mm-hmm. and become very calcified, becomes you know, more like, you know, like a tradition. Right, right, so right. when punk becomes tradition, then there's something wrong with it. So I guess, yeah, I mean, it contributes also to the popular imagination that there's a distinct style, a distinct kind of like uh, image yeah, associated is... with sort of like punk, right? But what you're also suggesting, there's two things. First, punk has this sort of like vibrant history that's connected to other musical sort of like genres that allows you to sort of like really scope the entire music history. Yeah, it actually birthed a lot of other different stuff. And then it birthed a lot of different yeah, yeah, stuff. Crazy. And the other thing is a kind of like attitude to sort of like living, right? Yeah. It connects you to different people across the world yeah. uh, and it connects you at a very sort of like authentic level. Yeah. You could sort of like be hosting a traveling band yeah. uh, in your living room, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, at Our any point like sort of bus, like bus point. Stop. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and it also sort of like changes the way you think about ethics, right? And changes the way you think about human relationships. Yeah, yeah. Right. I, mean, I mean, when you put money as a more kind of like afterthought or more kind of like this, not even secondary, you know, then mm-hmm. everything else becomes very, very more tangible in a sense that, you know, you, you are, you know, there, you know, mm-hmm. without all these concerns about money, about what's going to happen next when we don't have money and things like that, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that's why bands would come here from everywhere with their own money, you know, because mm. we told them there's no money to be made here, but mm. we meet a lot of friends. We can bring you out to see Jandabai and okay. hang out there. <laughs> there, is, there was a competing movement, uh, I guess, or you could possibly call it a competing movement, mm-hmm. the rave culture. Uh, ah. How does it compare to rave? And how about I would say uh, when, we, when the rave culture started out here in Kuala Lumpur, uh-huh. back in probably about 96, 97, that's what I, I was aware of it anyway, where they have house parties, yeah, and you know it is actually coming from the more money kind of okay. uh, uh, segment of society. Segment of society, right. you know. I mean, people who are a bit well off from us who who are actually, I mean, compared to what we were doing, some of us were like uh, washing dishes at the, you know some restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I was I was selling vegetables in Subanjaya mm-hmm. um, and all these things. So. Comparatively, it's, it's almost like another class when it comes to uh, that's that's dance culture, okay, or the rave culture as you call it. But we were there. I mm-hmm. mean, 
I join in, you know. Yeah, <laughs> Any excuse for a good party, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, just have fun. And then yeah. there's actually in 90, I would say about 97, there was a, a meeting of sort between the two worlds. Uh, there was a uh, was a show and a dance party and a, and, a, and a gig held at the same night by the same people okay. at Paragon Studios somewhere in Chiras, I think. Okay. Yeah, so one whole night my band was playing. There's probably a brief field and there's a dance DJs and everything. It was a oh. warehouse that was taken over for one whole night. Wow. So that was pretty amazing. It was, yeah. You know, there are crossovers, you know. It's, it's like the punk scene crossover into uh, kind of like meet up with the art scene. Like mm-hmm, when my mm-hmm. band opened up. Uh, uh, Chong. Uh, was it Hoi Chong's yeah. show? Uh, the La Lang. La Lang yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, with, uh, uh, yeah, Hoi Chong. Um, Raja Shariman. Raja Shariman. And Bayou. And Bayou, yeah. Right. So that we were called in and it's like amazing because Bayou came to the Central Market, looked for us and said, hey guys, we, we want to invite you to open up our show at the National Gallery. It was like, wow. <laughs> so I said, okay, cool. <laughs> but I said, we should call in other bands too, not just my band, because there are a lot of bands. So we got like four bands playing that day. And that that's where it become. So there's always this crossover thing right. happening, you know, I mean, which is great. Mm-hmm. I love that. But of course, it's coming from different books. It's like you go to like a five art kind of theater thing, and then that that's totally different world from what we're coming from, you know. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's yeah, great people there, right, the right, amazing yeah. stuff we're doing. Yeah. Just that amazing story about bridging worlds. Yep. Yeah, it's just that maybe the tickets will be expensive. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Unfortunately, we have to wrap things up uh, very very soon. Uh, any last thoughts, uh, Joe Kid, on the punk scene, especially in this day and age? Where I would say that the 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 idea. I mean, the main thing about punk is about self empowerment, and I think a lot of people forgot that. Mm-hmm. And, and and also, I mean, it's, it's fine to get angry about things. You know, I mean, a lot of people are holding back. What what the feeling, you know? I mean, they just just shout out, you know. Right. I mean, form a punk band and play three chords, and, and you just go crazy, you know. Yeah. That's that's how you deal with the world now. Yeah, don't <laughs> wait until you mangamo. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> All right, that was Joe Kid, and he's joined by Simon soon. Uh, we've been discussing the punk scene. Share your thoughts with us by tweeting us at BFM Radio, or you can send us an email to nightschool at bfm.my. You can also follow us on Facebook. Look for BFM Night School there. Don't forget to also download the BFM app on your mobile phones. You can find them on the Apple App Store and. Google Play Store. Uh, thanks once here. again, Joe Kid and Simon Sue. Great to be here. I'm Hanif Barudin and you've been listening to Night School on BFM 89.9, the business station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, the business station.